getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like you. Welcome to Getting to Know Woo. I'm Natasha Levenger, a professional intuitive reader, energy healer, and inner child healing expert. After being raised with extreme narcissism, I found talk therapy was helpful, but it wasn't until I found energy and inner child healing that I was able to break free of family patterns that cut me off from knowing and loving my true self. I'm passionate about dispelling the rhetoric that these kinds of tools are impractical and ineffective. And in this podcast, I will be sharing how actually beneficial and transformative they are. My husband and producer, Brett, will be joining me in conversation, and we will be welcoming experts along the way. I'm excited to have you here. What's up, woozers? What's up, woozers, woozinators, woozigans? <laughs> so we've been gone for a longer than usual. We usually do it twice a month. Yeah. To meet our um, need for, so that the schedule is in line with what? Our natural, <laughs> sounds weird <laughs> to say it this way. Our I'm biological trying- rhythms. <laughs> Or circadian cycle. I'm just trying to say that, you know, we we have a schedule and we do try to keep (laughs) up with it, but we are also aware of not killing ourselves and not pushing ourselves. Yeah. And um yeah, we try to listen to whatever. You get it. I Uh, get it. Anyway, but we were sick and so we missed a week. First I was sick, and then you were sick. It's been a lot of yeah. illness. COVID in the house. Oh, yeah. In COVID in the house. <laughs> oh, not us, though. No. Our, one Thankful. of our children had it. Um, and we didn't catch it, but we did get something else. Well, our children are rabid anti-vaxxers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go down that road, <laughs> no, y'all. That, that's triggering. <laughs> um it's just the discussion of it. I know. Um, any um, who, um, what am I trying to say? Yeah. So that's what's been happening here, really. And that and a lot of binge watching Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> like me and our uh, 17-year-old have been, <laughs> they get really obsessed with things. Yeah. And this is the first time I think we have both been obsessed with the same thing at the same time. Like, I love Friends, and and I love Harry Potter. Yeah. God, those are both two very problematic in hindsight things. But um, I still do love Friends. But And and I love Harry Potter, but okay, anyway. Just just not J.K. Rowling. Yeah, but we did discover them at the same time. We didn't discover them at the same time, but somehow we have fallen down a Vanderpump (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but what about mm. what about all the other reality shows that you guys watch? Yeah, I mean, we like it. It's a fun way to bond together. If yeah. you um, subscribe to my Substack, and you will see why you shouldn't feel guilty about binge watching television, especially with somebody. It can be. It it is really bonding. I mean, they tell me all the time when we're together, like, I love hanging out with you. I love doing this with you. And I mean, I feel like the way you two, the three of us do, I mean, I Mm -hmm. watch when I'm available. Yeah. uh, So I'm not like above this. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there, it's an engaged watching. It's not just like sitting and watching and then leaving. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It's it's very. uh, There's a lot of talking. Yeah. A lot of analysis. This is part of why I love Vanderpump Rules because there's so much psychological. Oh my God. um, Analysis. Fascinating and terrifying (laughs) look into humanity. Um, I love it though. One of my favorite things in the world is being in the other room (laughs) while you two are watching VPR (laughs) because just the the laughter the like the reactions uh I, it makes me very happy it was this is the last thing i'll say about it but <laughs> the la- one time our friend aaron was over and we you i don't even know oh you were cooking in the kitchen and but you weren't like talking or participating oh, right, right. and then at some point um i was like i 
I really don't like Katie. And, and our 17 year old was like, you don't like Katie? What do you mean? I was like, what are you talking about? And then all of a sudden Brett piped in, Katie is very problematic. <laughs> if memory serves, I was actually even ducked down behind the counter when I said <laughs> and then that. You popped up <laughs> to say that. And Aaron thought it was really funny because she didn't know you were involved <laughs> in all of it. Oh, I'm involved. I mean, I am I really do actually. This is something to tell people about like if you are watching something you're really involved in, it is a good idea to put up energetic, um, Mm. like an energetic fence or like I put gold roses in front of me, but I don't always remember to. (laughs) And when I don't, I will dream about them at night. That's so funny. I didn't know that you consciously did that before watching. I just have to remember every time. But yeah, I, and they are very much, I, Early on, I was like, I'm dreaming about them. And they were like, I am too. <laughs> oh, God. But anyway, that's been happening. And then really the other thing is, for me, the main thing, I mean, I'm seeing lots of clients, but aside from that is, um, aside from Vanderpump Rules <laughs> and seeing clients, I am... I've been writing and preparing for my class, A Spell of Remembering Psychic Development Tools. I'm so excited. I've been thinking about this for a really, I mean, about doing it. It takes me a really long time to actually make classes just because of seeing clients. And that's why I've pulled back on my mentorship for a little while. I have one person, but that's all I'm going to do for a while. Um, because I'm trying to make space to just like devote to this, which mm-hmm. I'm still seeing a lot of people, which I may cut back on a little bit. But um, I also do love, I love, I love seeing people, but I really want to also do this. So anyway, if you are, well, whenever you're listening, unless it's a few months from now, <laughs> I developed a quiz, which was super fun to see what psychic skills you would benefit from the most. Mm-hmm. And then when you're done, you can just do it for funsies. You don't have to do anything like it's just fun. no commitment, yeah. no information gathered. That's right. But if you would like to sign up for the waitlist when you're done, then um, there will be a discount for that. And also, or it'll be an early bird discount and mm-hmm. all Substack um, paid I must have survivors. <laughs> oh, <laughs> paid, oh, dear. It's subscribers. It's an there we that go. Newsletter. <laughs> Um, always get 15% off all my classes and then awakening people also get more than that. But anyway, so, um, yeah. So if you want to go, I guess it'll probably be on the banner of my website, the quiz, or you can go to the page. Either way, you'll find it. If you go to my website, natashalevenger.com, if you're interested, I'll talk more about it. Over time, we're going to start March 28th. There's going to be a live element. I'm going to have pre-recorded modules and an option to have practice partners, which is always really helpful when you're learning psychic work, as we've talked about before. Yeah. And Brett will be um, a co-participant. That's and right. CP. And moderator, perhaps, you know, to oh. help me out on things. You mentioned I'm going to be whatever you need. So I will be so excited for everybody who joins. It'll be a lot of fun. Yep. And yeah, I'll be talking about it over the next few weeks. But you can look at the website if you want to know more details now. Um, okay. So today we have uh, Carrie Birchon, who we love. Um, she has since become a friend of mine. She's just, I really love her. She's a delightful human being. She really is. Yeah. And um, she's also, for you human design people, which actually... The next podcast, we will have a human design expert on, um, who we also really, really enjoy. Um, she's a reflector, which is the rarest. Oh, oh you didn't know that? No. Oh, or yeah. Or I didn't remember it if I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's the rarest um, design that wow. there is. And it means she's completely open. 
Wow. Yeah. So all. So what that means is like she's just she. It makes so much sense what she does. Absolutely. Which is she is a radical occupational therapist and visionary coach working to create a a more neurodiversity and identity affirming world. She hosts the Neurodivergent Visionary Podcast and facilitates the Community Wisdom Collective, which is opening. I think. There's, it's opening now, and I'm going to be um, actually teaching a class there uh, coming up soon. Um, it's a space for neuro- neurodivergent and highly sensitive entrepreneurs to further their impact and world building through intuition, wisdom sharing, and collaboration. Yeah, it starts in March. Okay. So, yeah. I think you will really enjoy this conversation. And when we come back, I will pick our card for the next couple of weeks. Carrie, we're so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. So excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yay. So can you just start by telling us a little bit about what you do, like who you serve and what you do. Yes. So um, I am a coach for people who are neurodivergent or identify as highly sensitive people or empaths. And I help them essentially set boundaries in their life with themselves and with other people so that they can do less and Mm. by doing that, achieve more of what matters to them. Mm. Yeah. And my, my background, I, I'm a late identified neurodivergent person. Now looking back, it seems extremely obvious. Yeah, but I, <laughs> as yeah. my as our oldest would say, you're so real for that. <laughs> <laughs> Can hear them. <laughs> that sounds hip. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I grew up um, with a grandmother who had Alzheimer's disease mm. in my childhood, and mm. it really, really, really impacted me. And so it became like my, what I now realize to be my special interest. So I was terrified that I was going to get it and that my parents were going to get it. I, it really, 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 um, put me face to face with questions. Like, what does it even mean to be a human? Like if something could happen and something could change and your brain could change, are we our brains or are we something else? And so it, I was asking all these existential questions only internally, like, as a 12 year old. And I, I was Googling careers. How can you help people who have dementia? How do you work with people with dementia? So I kind of decided in high school, I'm either going to become um, a neuroscience researcher or go into occupational therapy based on what I was Googling. Mm. Yeah. And so 12, well, this was, this was 12 through all of high school. Wait a minute. You must be young. If you uh, wait, when did Google? If Google happen? existed when you were twelve, yeah, I, I was, was like, the same thing. What? That was so long. <laughs> this was this googling was more in high school of when yeah. I was thinking about going to college and okay. you know what are my options? Where should yeah. I go? Oh, okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> so that I ended, okay, you can go. Yeah, on. okay. I'm not. I am young. I'm still young in the grand scheme of life. No, you are. Um, you're a lot yeah. younger than than we are. So anyway, go on. That's an unimportant part of this. Well, <laughs> context. Um, so I ended up going into occupational therapy and I specialized in people who have had strokes or who have acquired brain injuries or dementia. And that was my focus. And I was occupational therapy is a, a career that's all about helping understand how to help people who've had some sort of illness or accident or injury. Mm-hmm. And essentially looking at how can we create a fit in your life between your personal factors, like your cognition, your emotions, your culture, um, your beliefs about yourself, what you can do with your environment, and then with the things that you're trying to do. So you mm-hmm. can help modify the environment, teach new skills, help people participate the way they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I focused on how can you help people with dementia um, be supported throughout the duration of their disease. And Mm -hmm. that's what I specialized. So I graduated with my doctorate in 2014 and I worked with people with um, 
neurological diseases and then dementia until 2022. Mm -hmm. And um, it was like my whole life purpose, essentially, was like my special interest. And throughout my career, I always felt like this is more complicated. This is more nuanced than the medical model of looking at deficits and Mm. what people should be doing. Mm. And I became, I started to become interested in exploring more of like philosophy behind this, I guess. It was like my spiritual quest of understanding more about like, who are you as a person and what does it even mean to be a person and have relationships who you can just change or people can just Mm. change. And um, I now connect it to the idea of like the myth of the able-bodied person. Mm. Like we all are eventually heading towards disability or death. And and does that have to be a bad thing? Wow, that's um, so interesting. Yeah. What like, do you mean the myth of the able-bodied person? We can go different ways with this, but it's it's the idea that like society is built around some ideal person to like function in capitalism and who can perform a certain way and is a certain way and there's like a correct way to be yeah but like who is that person like does anyone know anyone (laughs) yeah who is like quote unquote that person and right or maybe um, everybody's just trying to pretend like they are that person yeah Yeah. or that person is a statistical representation that does not exist in the real world yeah So I ended up stumbling upon life coaching by accident in Mm. October, 2020, because I got invited last minute to this yoga camping, hiking retreat that was led by my coach since 2020. And um, through the workshops at that retreat, I realized all these things about like, oh man, I've just made my whole life be about dementia. (laughs) Oh wow! And, and, and am I ready to do something besides dementia and it just put me on this whole new path of coaching and part of the experience for me was I had a lot of religious trauma from various things so I I decided to sign up with a package with this coach who she is extremely spiritual and had me one of my first assignments was I was talking about how disgusted I was at like how I used to be and just irritated Hmm. by myself when I was like going to church. And I said, Oh, I think it was, I found some old emails um, when I was cleaning out my email inbox and it just made me so upset. I don't even want to like look at those things. Mm. And she was like, okay, so I think until we meet again, would you be open to not reading it except your like old writing? And only read and I was like, old oh. writing. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh. and I was like, but I did. And it just opened the floodgates of self-compassion. Oh, wow. That's so. Yeah. It was really important. And through working with her, I started to become really interested in all the things woo, like everything. And Mm. even went different directions than she exposed me to. Like, it just like was like, oh, I suddenly am interested in all these things. Mm. Yeah. Through that work, like, I decided that I wanted to become a coach too, to like have these conversations with people. Mm-hmm. And at the time I didn't, I still didn't know about the whole neurodivergence thing at that point in time. But the mm. whole thing I was really interested in was helping people to really be in tune with their intuitions and opt out of societal norms that mm-hmm. they didn't feel were for them. And like to have the bravery to do that mm. because that had been my work. And so then I, I got really involved in some, in some online groups. And I met, I started to meet like people who are becoming my clients and all of my clients were like me, except they called themselves things like I'm ADHD, I'm autistic. And I was like, wait a second, because I knew, I I knew already, (laughs) I knew already that I was an empath. Like that had clearly been like a lot of my work in Mm -hmm. life was to separate myself from other people's emotions and I knew I was a highly sensitive person because for all sorts of reasons I'm extremely emotionally sensitive and Mm -hmm. sensory my sensory processing is extremely sensitive Mm -hmm. so I've heard people say that they think well I've heard maybe it was just one person who was saying that she feels like highly sensitive people 
that there's no such thing that it's actually just autism. Do you think that might I, be true? I don't, I, so here's what I think. I think that all our diagnoses and boxes are man-made, including the medical ones. Yeah. And like still the medical system. I'm even just dealing with some emotional backlash from a occupational, I still also work as an occupational therapist. Mm. But the medical system is like built around this idea that of all the autism and ADHD being like deficits and disorders. Mm. And so I think what the like as opposed to as opposed to like just individual differences with no um morality or yeah, no, yeah, no judgment. moral judgment or like value judgment mm-hmm. on, no no judgment on like what is one supposed to be like right yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I mean yeah. I guess even in that well I guess with neurodivergent I mean maybe if most of the population is one is neurotypical then there would be a use for that, I guess, in terms of that label, just to yeah. help people understand. I don't know. Well, my personal philosophy of just being in the weeds of it all is mm-hmm. each person really stands to benefit from in understanding their individual differences. Mm-hmm. Like what, and by that, it like we learn who we are relative to each other. Right. And also we can study ourselves like curiously about like, how do you tend to feel in your body when, when these types of things happens? Mm -hmm. Like what are your natural go-tos to soothe yourself? And Mm -hmm. just side of detectiving, like what works for you? Yeah. And there may be people like me who really can't handle the TV volume being too loud or like hard pants as I call them oh my god <laughs> I have never been able to wear hard pants wow. um you but, would have hated my childhood oh, god. <laughs> oh no yeah so do you so, feel like a good well another thing that I just learned is that it's hard to feel into like get the information from your body when you're neurodivergent or perhaps even highly sensitive, like the body stuff. And I really relate to that because like, I'm very energetically attuned, but it takes way more work. It's only in the last year where I've been able to feel more of my physical body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that, that there's some different factors related to that, but a big one in, is interoception. And it's like, Right. What is crossing the signals and signs from your body and what exactly you're feeling and like, what does it mean is harder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, when we live in a world that is built for neurotypical people and treats neurodivergent people in a way where if it even accounts for them at all, it is how do we get you to behave more like a neurotypical person or like handle this neurotypical world? Like that leads to overwhelm that can like easily shut you down. Like you were saying, Natasha, just shutting you down from your own information. Exactly. Because even for example, um, so I work with kids with autism ages zero to three right now. Mm. And the, how it works in our medical system right now is most insurances will cover therapies to a very limited extent, unless you have a certain level three diagnosis of autism. And then you can get like 20 to 40 hours per week of a certain therapy called ABA. Mm -hmm. And ABA is built on the philosophy that you are training the little person to be a person, getting rid of behaviors, training them to like Mm. act neurotypical. Mm. So if you think about kids, receiving therapy that's looking at how do I get you to like do the things I'm asking you to do in order to survive you have to shut down even more from what your body's telling you yeah like literally to survive and so the problem is people see these therapies and be like oh look they have all these new skills and like observably sometimes yes sometimes other therapies would be wielding the same skills but people don't have 40 hours covered of other therapies like yeah. alternatives like I'm trained in an alternative to APA therapy that's focused on meeting people at their level of interest and going with the flow and letting them lead the session mm. and so but I think all the time about like if you from a very young age are like I am receiving rewards and punishments based on performing neurotypical. Yeah. 
like how much even more are you than you just ignore all of your signals. Yeah. And I feel like life in general, adults do this all the time too. And that's a lot of the reason social media is so detrimental because we're comparing ourselves, not just to other people like, oh, that person's doing that. So then that's okay. But like to, as they say, the highlight reel, you know, so it's not even what's actually happening for people. I mean, and we do, like you said, like we know who we are. I mean, a lot of how we know who we are is based on other people and community healing and relational mm -hmm. healing. And that's really important. And in a lot of like new agey stuff, it's so personally oriented, which there's so much good in that, but it's also to emphasize. So it's like such a fine line <laughs> between like, how do you get this relational healing when everybody's just trying to be like each other, some fake idea, idea of each other. Yeah, totally. But I want to get to your work, like helping people. Well, can you say it again? Because it's so I just loved how you said it with boundaries. And like, can you do you remember what you said? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so my yeah, so this work is like, what I do because it's what I have to do every day myself. So it's like mm -hmm. my work. It's my work. <laughs> but um, helping people have boundaries with themselves and other people so they can do less. Yeah. So that then they have the energy to do what like really matters to them. Yeah. So yeah. is part or is a lot of that knowing like I would imagine as like I'm creating this class on on psychic skills, but really what it's about is knowing yourself on a trusting yourself, knowing yourself on this deeper level. And like, you can't know for me, that's what was so life-changing about learning energy healing was knowing my energetic boundaries. And actually, as we're talking, I'm realizing that why that was so, because I couldn't really feel my physical body so much that that energetic boundary was so powerful. Even if I couldn't physically mm. feel it, just even having that intention, that's the great thing about energy. It moves faster than physical stuff. So it's like, it happened like, okay, the boundary is there. And then I can know who I am. Then I can show up and do the things. I'm not like distracted by overwhelm. Yeah. So how do you, help people to know their boundaries or so essentially with the work that I do thinking about a lot of times people come in to coaching because they're interested in with me specifically they're they're drawn into the idea of like this idea that they can do less because they're really tired of doing so much mm -hmm. or they're tired of feeling like if they stop doing what they're doing like they're afraid like what does that mean then mm. and so a lot of it is um holding the space so they can really get to the heart of like what actually does matter most to you and mm -hmm. what are your success metrics mm. like what mm. are your success metrics and with that I think a lot of the work comes from making decisions about like what are ultimately I think the best boundary question that is life-changing for me and an exercise that I, I think I made up cause I haven't found it anywhere else, but I based, <laughs> I based it on, um, have it's, um, oh, I'm blanking on the Lightyear Leadership Academy has this circle of want exercise or like the power of knowing what you want, mm. where essentially you draw a circle and inside the circle, you write everything you want. And outside the circle, you write everything you don't want. Mm. And I thought, oh, that's nice. Except a lot of people who come to me who are neurodivergent and have been like stifling what oh, they yeah. want right. their entire life because it's just been like not an option. Right. Um, relationally, they're like, yes. I don't know to answer yeah. to that question. So um, through working with people on boundaries, I came to this realization that the real question for boundaries is what are you available for and what are you not available for? Mm -hmm. And being willing to like do that. And I think it is really helpful to write it down and just like be really honest <laughs> when you're right, letting yourself free write what feels true to you. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing it, you feel the push pull between I, I don't want to not be available for this because I feel like 
I've always had to be available for this, right. but I like don't want to be. So you're, you're in the push pull of your societal conditioning of like feeling guilty because especially if you're socialized as a woman or you're a highly sensitive person, you've probably been putting other people's needs before yours forever. And it just like yeah. feels so hard to admit that. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm, I called it like, it's sort of um the bravery to like make a decision about what you think you're available for not available for mm-hmm. and usually people get a felt sense in their body of like am I available for this or not available for this mm-hmm. that's easier than what do you want and like what do you not want to do because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that so feels too loaded it's it more is, like a I don't it's easier is the reason that it that it's easier to do that is because when you're saying what am I available for you're working with like the set of things that are already in your life and like I like this. I don't like that. Like this feels good. This doesn't feel good. Is that the yeah. the difference between those two? Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. I hadn't even realized that. Yes, <laughs> totally. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then from there, that that helps you kind of lay out. Um. So based on what I'm available for or not available for, here's what I'm like willing to do or not willing to do, and that can lead to your decisions about your boundaries with yourself. And can help you be focused on what you're no longer willing to put all your energy toward. That's mm-hmm. not really aligned with your ultimate, what feels right to you. And um, your interpersonal boundaries where you can then start to realize like, oh, okay, I'm really not available for this with this person. And so mm-hmm. then you can get into strategy around like, well, what does it look like to set a boundary with that person? Do you think that with highly sensitive people, it's harder to figure out your success metrics or what you're available for because of, like you said, I guess, tuning into like feeling what other people are wanting from you or something like that. And how do you help people? Do you have any like a tool to help people to separate from that or to be able to tune into their own knowing so I think your question is when it's hard to know if it's what you want or just what other people are wanting from you yeah or yeah that's a good yeah we can start with that yeah and also just if it's harder for highly sensitive people to know what they're available for I guess yeah because I think um like if we just start from like a linear sense of you're born and you're kind of feel like uncomfortable in your body and like you're an alien and you're trying to figure out what is even the world and other people want from me and yeah I'm too sensitive and I'm too this and I'm too that yeah it's like yeah what you're available for is much different than somebody who's like this makes sense. Everyone <laughs> right. around me makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah like this is. intellectually. So, yeah, the world is normal. I'm yeah. fine. Yeah. Yes, I'm a human. <laughs> it's good. Um, yeah. So I think from there, I, so I have only worked with people who are non-gender conforming or women. And I mm-hmm. tend to feel that then societal conditioning is, is, um, interconnected and it's this intersectional totally. thing, oh especially God, yeah. for my clients who, have been Asian who've been black, like Mm. it's extra of this sense of it's harder to know. It's harder to know. And, and so when it comes to things like accessing your intuition, accessing what you want and what's your energy in other people's, I feel like it's very easy then for those clients to be like, I should be able to access my intuition more. Mm -hmm. Like I want that, but like, I should be able to more almost Mm -hmm. this like self-shaming thing of like, Mm -hmm. I should be able to because I know I'm not supposed to care what other people think. Mm. And I actually had this conversation with someone yesterday that I was like, well, if we think about it this way, that your whole life that's been shut down um, and you're autistic, like, isn't it kind of ableist to be like, I should have really good self-trust and like Mm. access to my tuition. And also probably sexist. And because, Yeah. yeah, we are supposed to like, women or you know yeah the it's like more of a feminine thing quality to receive that's like and so we should be able quote unquote to receive our intuition but we're also being told all the time to 
well and and it's not just women but also being shamed for um just not complying or like not yeah. do i mean it's it's a patriarchal society so yeah. it's like we're supposed to fit in with that but then also somehow be very in touch with what we know about ourselves and intuition and but you can't set that seems to be a theme here you can't really separate the personal from the communal from okay. community yeah yeah totally so i think the the modality that i use around that the I have some clients who are super into woo and some who are not at all. So <laughs> for the people who are not, I tend to use more um, non-woo frameworks like. Well, these understand. listeners will be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be more woo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like the non-woo frameworks would be like, okay, what's like societal conditioning and ableism look like when it's internalized? Mm -hmm. What's self-compassion? Like what are the principles of self-compassion that you could apply here? Mm -hmm. And then for people who are more woo, um, we get into a lot more like somatic stuff um, mm -hmm. and somatic processing. And then I love doing guided meditations, like future self mm, communication. Yeah. And then I love tarot cards and oracle cards for like asking these questions too mm -hmm. when people feel like i can't access that like intellectually oh, yeah. i can't access yeah. that you have to like especially when you're a super analytical thinker so a yeah. lot of my clients are yeah, yeah. we so, kind of have to like go beyond conversation into the more woo things for those who like that yeah so like yeah. do you do you use tarot and oracle cards to like sort of lead the conversation like if you draw a card and you know it indicates one thing like does that match with what you feel or does that or or how do you how do you use uh things like that with your clients so if i'm drawing it for them i tend to use more of a like divination approach where i kind of tell them i'm going to show you and like tell me what does this art like say yeah. to you yeah mm -hmm. yeah and then i can use my knowing of like traditional meanings if it's tarot or if it's oracle cards it doesn't matter mm -hmm. to like help guide a conversation around that mm -hmm. and that can be really powerful I even had one um like a it was like a consult call of someone who ended up becoming a client but I haven't had their first session yet but I didn't know they were like zero percent into woo <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like I drew some cards for you and they're like what does that mean and I was like <laughs> oh and so I showed them and they're like oh my god like that makes so much sense. Like that's me. Oh, it was a wow. spider web. And they're like, I built that web and I'm stuck in it. Mm. Oh, and I wow. was like, so powerful. It yes. just gets yeah. straight past. Yeah. It gets straight past. So I think that's that. And then um, the things that I, I don't have a ton of in-person clients, but in-person clients, I love to do expressive art, like process art. Mm. Mm -hmm. Because I so, think it gets straight away from the overthinking and straight into the truth, yeah. straight yeah. into like you're knowing. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is bypassing that whatever we think it should look like or how we should feel. Right. Um, I guess the last question, because we have to wrap it up, but if you don't have that, uh, okay, I'll speak for myself because I it was so much harder for me. Like I remember somatically um actually someone on my old podcast he was like asking me to feel where I felt free in my body and um like to find any kind of ease and I was just like literally I couldn't find any because like, I was so frozen in my body and it was so strange for me because I was like but I'm so aware and I am grounded in all of that but so do you what do you do or do you have any thoughts or techniques or something if somebody's really like if I'm like where do you feel that in your body and it's like I don't know I mean it is easier with I think a feeling like ease <laughs> isn't so much but yeah it's, more... it's like uh pointed to an actual like where do you feel I don't know like um like anxiety or something that's easier to be like okay I can feel that in my stomach or something Hmm. Yeah, I tend to see with my clients, um, the things that when they don't know, I, so there's three things that I just immediately thought of, and I'll try to remember what they all are. But the first one is 
if that feeling had a body posture, like what would it be? Mm-hmm. So like, what is free? What does it look like when you're free? Like, what is a body posture mm-hmm. that matches free? I see. It's a way easier than like, that's in tarot. Cause that is um, that question of like, where do you feel in your body is I think more appropriate for neurotypical people. Mm, yeah. And so I think yeah. sometimes you have to, because that requires interoception really hard. Yeah. But like, what does free look like? Maybe you have something where your arms are stretched out and you're like, yeah. ah, yeah. Um, or like conversely, like, what does it feel like to not be free? Like what body posture would that be? Yeah. I think that's an easier way that you end up talking to your body without needing to analyze your body. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. Another one is if free was a color, like gut instinct was uh-huh. free. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so like talking more in colors or images. Oh, the last one that I feel like almost always works. Um, but it's more about like if you are already experiencing this feeling, but it's like, mm-hmm. what is that feeling within your body? It's like, I don't know, like it kind of like vaguely mostly everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's like if I had a magnet. And I like actually I'm doing this and I'm like scanning your body with this magnet and it's just pulling all of it out. Where until would it it's go? all on this magnet? What object like it, and it t- magically turned into an object? What object would it be? Oh, oh that's People- like a thing that I've been doing with just e- even though like if there's tension, also you can feel tension and then make it into a shape. What is that shape? And then just watching the shape. That's mm-hmm. super helpful. Mm. Yeah. And people like people come up with and if you especially if you let them know just like gut instincts, like what do you see? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. can't be wrong. Right. Yeah. People come up with the coolest stuff. Like one time I was like, like, it's a spider, it's crawling all over me. And you're like, Oh, tell me more about that spider. Yeah. Or and like what does the spider want? Or like what does the spider need? Or or so, whatever is relevant. Yeah. But I've also had people be like, it turned into a giant beach ball and it's floating away or like it's a heavy paperweight and it just clumped to the ground. Like it felt mm. so big, but it's just like this big, actually. And it's just, it's like, oh, that's what we're trying to get at. Yeah. It's yeah. not like, where is it in your that's a way of connecting. That's meaningful, that doesn't require access to something that you like don't have yeah I think for me it was more maybe as we're talking for me I think it was like that ease if you literally don't have ease in your body you're not going to be able to (laughs) yeah Yeah. I mean there's an assumption in that question that is is not fair to make for everybody yeah 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 and it is very neurotypical because I did feel like oh god what's wrong like this must mean x y and z about me like I'm not as open as I thought, or I'm not as self-connected as I thought. Which yeah. Is not or like, I'm true. not, a, I'm not in tune with myself. And right. Like, that's like, well, that's a very specific, that's like a very narrow definition of like being in tune with yourself. Yeah. Is that yeah. you can answer yeah. this specific type of question. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Carrie, for being yeah. here. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed talking with you and I love your podcast and, I'm very grateful. Thank you so much. Is there somewhere that people can find you online? I am most active on the Facebook and Instagram. My Facebook is my name, Carrie Birch. And then my Instagram is neurodivergent.ot. My first name, Carrie. Mm K-A-R-I. Okay. Well, thanks again, Carrie. Thank you so much. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. We sure did. And now I'm going to pick our card for the next couple of weeks from the Iris Oracle deck. This is a really beautiful deck. Yeah, it really is. Okay, so I picked Your Dreams Are Closer Than You Think. Okay, it says Dream Big, My Baby. (laughs) Did I say that? Yeah. (laughs) set your sights on the sky the impossible becomes possible every single day your hard work may feel like it's filling up a bottomless cup but it's not your dreams are closer than you think so dream your sweet dreams you'll be there before you know it Mm. what i like about this aside from the fact that it's very affirming Mm -hmm. um just i have been feeling that 
like sort of combination in the energy field of well also we're in Pisces season which is a very dream oriented mm. season but and it has felt to me this kind of combination of feeling like a bit I guess like maybe not underwater but a little bit of just like okay we're doing the work I'm mm. doing the work I'm filling the cup I'm filling the cup <laughs> like still filling the cup and there is like some enjoyment in it but the, there is a lot of enjoyment in it maybe even but then it's sort of like am I gonna stop filling the cup like is this right. gonna is the cup fruition? gonna get full yeah. yeah is this actually gonna come into something that also feels satisfying um there has been a feeling more not just with me but also i'm feeling this in the collective of being able to enjoy the process more Mm. um not always but there does feel like it's like okay this is part of the flow this is part of the flow and i do think that like the message of this card over the next couple of weeks is this how I feel it is like sunlight coming through and Mm. like that both there's a lot of both and happening also Mm. in the field right now like yes it can feel laborious or it can feel like maybe I don't know the outcome and that's uncomfortable and I can feel the light coming through I can be aware of this um, and I have that capacity to hold both so there's that and this feeling of like yeah it's happening right Right. Um, there's also, I will say, like in my newsletter that is out today, I guess, there is also this feeling of like that you're already there, like this feeling of it's all happening mm. because we, <laughs> this is going to sound really esoteric, but because we exist, like there's this feeling of we're trying, just like we are trained to feel like, I think, through capitalism and toxic masculinity like there's somewhere to get to Mm. um until you get there until you make the money until you do the thing then you'll get there right and of course it's all a lie and (laughs) so and like i say this in my newsletter but like when we look at animals we never are like but bro what's your purpose (laughs) you know and it's like yeah but there is like it's like oh no that is the purpose is to be And sometimes it's uncomfortable. And I do think because life can be uncomfortable, we want there to be this thing that we're going to get to. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that you can't feel more comfortable. But there's something about that comfort coming from an external thing that's going to validate the whole experience. So again, with the both and, I don't think there's anything wrong with having external things that feel good and are like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I did this and I have this external thing to show for it. Okay, that's nice. But if you're coming back to this landing pad, so to speak, of, and I always really just want to be here, like experiencing this. The landing pad of... uh, Of this internal, either, like this internal space of being with yourself. I see, I see. Just like be here now. Yes. Kind of, yeah. And having yeah. this like, cre- it's hard when you come from trauma, but like having an internal safety, almost like that being the goal, not right. almost like, but having that be the goal so that like the external stuff is the cherry on top. Right. And right. the being in the moment. I mean, life really is exciting when you are present. Yeah. There is, the mundane doesn't feel so mundane anymore. Right, right. That's why I love running errands with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, weirdly, maybe it's when I grew up, but I I've I'm I, I don't I'm never bored. Like I'm really it's very hard for me to be bored. I feel like there's just so much happening. <laughs> <laughs> like I just feel like there's always a way to engage. I do feel like that is more true than most people experience, but I also think that you have a particular gift for that. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think the idea of somebody being bored Mm -hmm. inherently means like they're not present. No, 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 no. I I didn't mean to say that, but I, I didn't mean to indicate that. I think sometimes when you're, yeah. And then I'm like, wait, dude, I, did I mean that? (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, mean I'm I d- willing to believe that, but it's hard for me to. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're really present and you're really present, I don't know. It just always feels like there can be something interesting. Well, but do you feel like you were always present when you were growing up? Mm. Well, I'm not saying I wasn't bored because I was present, but I don't know. I yeah. guess I just always found something to be. I mean, I was probably disassociated from my body, <laughs> right? but I right. was present in the sense of connecting with the things I like to do. Yeah, well, and I don't mean to, like, I I agree with you 100% that being present makes it harder to be bored. Like, mm. even, like, if you're, like, truly present, even staring out a window yeah. can be an engaging activity that is fulfilling. Yeah. Um, but I just, like... I just wanted to be clear, like, I don't think boredom in and of itself Mm -hmm. is an indication of, like, you're you're not not present. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I don't think boredom is a bad thing in the sense of, it. what do they say? What's that quote? Boredom is the mother of invention or something. I've heard that about necessity. Hmm. Well, maybe I'm mixing it up. But I have heard that, (laughs) like, with kids, it's, like, good to let them be bored. Because then they'll find the things that interest them. And I do think about that a lot. Like, when I was growing up, there was no internet. There was TV, though. Yeah, but it was scheduled. And children's programming was in a limited window. Yeah, I mean, it could just be that I happen to have interests that align with being inside. (laughs) (laughs) well i do think you have a a very strong capacity born out of not necessarily great reasons uh to be with yourself like to be content with your own company well i would like to hear from listeners how people feel about boredom like what it means that's an interesting because i'm well obviously willing to believe because i'm not like a real physically active person so i'm wondering like if somebody is more inclined like more physically connected to their physical body yeah like I could see them being bored inside and like wanting to like get out there and move and not being able to would be difficult. Or even like people with different types of ADHD Mm. needing different stimuli to for their brain uh, might experience boredom. Yeah. That could be a a myopic viewpoint that I have about that. Regardless, it's great to be present (laughs) and alive. (laughs) And the other thing is it's not like I've been like, yay life. For most of my life. <laughs> right, right, right. But I, and yet, I still have enjoyed a lot of things. Yeah. Um, but now I'm yay life. <laughs> yay life. Yay life. Team yay life. Okay, and yay to all of you listeners. Yeah. We love and appreciate you so much. Hey, speaking of, if you got this far and feel like reviewing the show, we have had some reviews lately. We appreciate it in terms of the stars. If someone wants to write a written review, oh my God. We sure would love it. You know what I think we should start doing? And we can edit this out if you disagree. Okay. (laughs) Uh, We should start reading some of the reviews. Yeah. uh, They're pretty old at this point. I think the last one was maybe 11 months old. read. 10. I thought you just said we got some. No, no. We have like more stars. Well, I could read the number of stars. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Five stars. Five stars. (laughs) Four stars. Five stars. That'll be captivating podcasting. All right. We love you guys. See you next time. Bye.